Hello and welcome to Little Things with Amber Lee Swenson. Today's episode is called The Best Revenge, and we're going to talk about how we can inflict revenge upon those who have done us harm. <laughs> no, don't turn off the program. If you're thinking Amber has totally lost her marbles, nope, this is going to be biblical. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I have been writing and teaching Bible studies for the past 15 years. I've worked with women, youth, Sunday school. I've been blogging for Time of Grace since 2017. I've written two books for them. Really what you need to know is that I love the Lord and I love the Word of God. And I find that the deeper I go into the Word of God, the more astounded I am that He loves us and that He notices us and that He cares so deeply about our lives. And my role is really to get people into the Word and to show them how awesome it is and to really get them to a place that they want to know and love God more. That's kind of my mission in life in a nutshell. And I want to remind you that a while back I did do a program that was called Let God Handle It. And I was talking about how when we've been hurt, we can just turn it all over to God and let him handle it and let him bring revenge if revenge is needed on the people who have done us harm. So today is different in that I'm going to talk about what we can be doing in the meantime. So we've had a season of hurt or despair and people have been cruel and horrid to us and and what should we be doing? That's what we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to give you some quotes and of course we're going to use scripture. So first thing that we're going to do (laughs) to inflict revenge upon those who have hurt us even when we're really down and out, is to keep God's commands. And that might sound trite, like, what? Are you kidding me? But listen, the temptation is to kind of throw in the towel and um, just forget it. Like, I've tried to be good. I've tried to do things your way, God. Clearly, I'm just getting persecuted for it. Nobody likes me. They all hate me. They make my life miserable. What's What's the use? Like, why should I even try anymore? And, um... Really, the best revenge is to keep keep obeying God's commands and show them that even if they persecute us and they make our life miserable, we still trust in God and we still believe that his commands are good and for our good. So you'll see in scripture two examples. One um, example of someone who said, I'm done, I'm throwing in the towel. And one example of someone who, even though they were super down and out, they were like, well, God's worthy. No matter what happens, God's worthy. So in 1 Samuel 25, we're introduced to Abigail and her husband Nabal, who we're told in scripture was a terrible man. He, he was extremely wealthy, but he was very difficult and mean, and we're even, he's described as wicked. Um, and so David has been on the run because King Saul has found out that David was anointed to be the next king of Israel. And Saul is going to do everything in his power to make sure that never, ever happens. Because Saul wants his son Jonathan to take the throne so that Saul's dynasty can continue. So David's on the run. He's in the desert. And we're told that all the disgruntled men of Israel have kind of come to be at his side. And they're his little ragtag um, army. And while they're 
all together, one of the things that they're doing is protecting Israel's shepherds so that raiders don't come and take away their sheep or camel or herds or, or whatever. So at sheep shearing time, common practice was anybody who did any of this sort of work, they were basically like security guards. They would come to the people who own the flocks, the herds, and they would sort of say, you know, hey, we've, we've, kept, we've kept you from loss. Do you have anything that you might want to send our way? It was very common, very common, much as we tip waitresses for shepherds to do this. So the, the owner of the flocks, the herds, they would give some of their things. Um, they would give food and whatever to, to help the men who have really helped them. Um, from losing sheep, cattle, herds, whatever. So David does this. He sends the men to Nabal, and Nabal not only sends them away empty-handed, but he insults David in the meantime. So he's like, who's David? You know, lots of people are running away from their masters nowadays as if David was running away from responsibility instead of running for his life. And so David gets word of this. The men come back to him and say, well, not only did he not give you anything, this is what he said. And David says in 1 Samuel 25, verse 21, I guarded this man's stuff in the desert for nothing. Not one of his possessions was missing, yet he has paid me back with evil when I was good to him. And again, David's going to throw in the towel. He's decided what he's going to do is grab his sword and go and murder the man. So David's done. He's done being good. He's just going to go off the guy and all the men in his household, and somehow that's supposed to make him feel better. Thankfully, that didn't happen because Abigail, who is a very wise, intelligent woman, um, she packed some donkeys with all kinds of food, and she met him on the way, and she said, so sorry that I didn't know that you would come, and please take this as an offering, and we totally know what you have done. And so she thwarted David (laughs) from really sinning and just going off the handle. Now, someone who has done it really well, who kept God's commands even when he was completely down and out, is Joseph. So Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was hated by his brothers because he was his daddy's favorite. And he was made a slave in Potiphar's household. And Potiphar saw that everything he did was really well done. And so he raised him up to the highest level. He had control of Potiphar's whole house and all the servants reported to him. Well, unfortunately for Joseph, Potiphar's wife took an interest in him. um, Potiphar's wife saw that Joseph was handsome and he was young and well-built. And so she started hitting on him day after day after day. And he refused her. He said, I can't, you know, I can't disobey God's laws and not only that, but you, you are my master's wife. Like, how could I sin and do such a great thing? And so he stays strong and he's keeping God's commands and eventually what happens, but he's alone with her one day and she hits on him and he refuses. And in fact, he runs away. And in the process, he leaves his cloak behind in his, in her hands And she frames him. She says, oh, he came to rape me and I had to get away. And what happens? Joseph is thrown into prison. (laughs) So he's kept God's commands and here he is in prison. And again, you might have said, well, what's the use? What good is there? But we don't see that. 
Joseph continues to do what is right and good, even in prison. And so, you know, I think the important thing is to just remember that we should expect persecution to come when we're doing God's will and when we're keeping his commands, but not to throw in the towel. The temptation is to go get drunk. The temptation is, you know, I've, I've done the right thing for so long, I guess it's not worth it. So, you know, if you're single and you have um, kept yourself pure and you're finally dating a guy that you really like who's pushing you and pushing you and pushing you to have sex with him and you finally say, you know what, I can't date you anymore because I'm not going to do this. And so he breaks up with you and, and then he smears your name and brings all this harm upon you. And you think, why have I saved myself? What is the point? And the temptation is to just go out and with the next guy, just figure whatever. Like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to save myself for somebody. Look at what it does. Let me encourage you, because I've been in that exact situation. And the very next guy I dated was my husband. And it was well worth it. I'm so, so thankful that he didn't sleep with that last guy. Um, he didn't he didn't have my best intention. We would have never, ever gotten married. He was all about having fun and keep God's commands. Even when it is the hardest thing to do, even when you feel like throwing in the towel, God sees it. He'll bless you. And not only that, but it will attract the right kind of person into your life. I remember my husband saying, my husband knew the guy I was dating before I dated him. And I remember my husband saying that one of the things that he found very attractive with uh, about me was the fact that I hadn't slept with this other guy. And that this other guy, you know, could say, oh, she's a virgin and she won't sleep with me. And my husband was like, that is a pretty cool thing. And that's actually what I'm looking for is somebody who's not sleeping around and sleeping with everybody and who, who feels that sex is sacred and it's meant to be between a husband and wife when they're married. So we're going to keep God's commands, even in our seasons of hurt. One, because God sees it and because we're being obedient to God. But two, we're going to attract the right kind of people into our lives, other Christians who are also keeping God's commands. Number two, work hard. (laughs) Again, the temptation is to curl up in a ball and lay in bed with the covers over your head. (laughs) And I get that. I get that. I get that. I get that. There are times that that's exactly what I want to do. But let's look again to scripture. Joseph. Joseph never quit working hard. Even in the prison, he was raised up to a high level of command. He managed those in the prison. He didn't give up and curl up in a ball and just say, well, again, God's not blessing me, so I guess I might as well just quit trying. No way, he didn't. Daniel is another one. So Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were carried off into Babylon. So they were nobility in Israel. They were carried off. They were one of the first waves of um, Israelites carried over to Babylon, and they were put in um, training to work for King Nebuchadnezzar. And again, you might think, what's the use of trying? I mean, here I am. I'm not in Israel. I don't want to be here. I don't want to serve this heathen king. That's not what we see. We see David, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego working hard, keeping God's commands, and being raised up to important positions in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom and 
really serving faithfully their whole lives long. And we're told about Daniel, there was nothing negligent about him. So when, and he was about 80 years old when he was thrown into the lion's den. So that account of Daniel being thrown into the lion's den, he was going to be raised up and be made head of all the administrators. Um, And so administration, administrators, (laughs) whatever the word is, Daniel was going to be raised up above everybody else. And the other people in leadership were jealous of him. And so they tried to find something to use against him and they could find nothing because he did everything he was supposed to do. He wasn't negligent in anything. He was completely trustworthy. He just kept working hard and doing the, his job so that they couldn't even find anything to use against him to frame him. They had to finally make the king sign a, a petition against his religion. That's the only way they could find a way to get him thrown into the lion's den. And even there, God was with him and protected him. So unlike our natural tendency, which might be to roll up in a ball, go to bed, don't do that, keep working hard. Look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah came back to Jerusalem to build the wall. And um, he had immediate opposition. The people around him didn't want anything to do with this. They didn't want Jerusalem to be rebuilt. They wanted it to be in crumbles. And so what did Nehemiah do? He started building. And they would send letters and they would send threats and they kept trying to to do whatever they could to stop the building of the wall. And what do we find Nehemiah doing? He stayed strong and kept working. So when you are in that season of hurt, when you have been knocked down and when people have tried to stop you, work hard, keep going. Keep going, keep moving, keep working hard. And you know, the other thing about that is that really um, keeps you from falling into the temptations to not keep God's commands (laughs) because it's not very easy to go out and get drunk all the time and then go to work in the morning. So when you are working hard, you're going to resist some of the other temptations like being lazy and just binge watching TV or like I said, drinking too much and or um, eating, overeating and eating too much. You know, work is going to keep us from falling into some of the other temptations, even gossiping. You know, when we have too much time on our hands, we can really fall into the trap of just going from person to person and telling them and reliving things. So work hard. Number three, and this is my favorite, <laughs> a great way to bring revenge on those who have inflicted you in serious ways is to love more than it's reasonable to love. We see this with Joseph. So eventually 13 years passes and Joseph's brothers who sold him into slavery come to Egypt looking for food. And Joseph, he takes them through a little bit, you know, um, he keeps one brother back. And I think that was mostly his insurance that they would come back to him and see him again because they could have come back to Egypt and just bought grain. And he might not have even seen them. But by putting one of the brothers in prison, he made sure that they would have to come back to him. And so he put them through a little bit, even with putting the um, cup in the bags after they left Egypt the second time and sending people to go get them and bring them back. 
But when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, he weeps, he loves on them, he encourages them that he doesn't hold anything against them. He really loves over and above and beyond. You know, he says, go get your families, come here. I'm going to totally take care of you. Just come be part of my family. Um, Look at Jesus and Stephen, both of them as they were dying. So Stephen was the man who was martyred um, early on in the book of Acts, the early Christian church. He was martyred and Saul, before he became the apostle Paul, was there witnessing it. But both Jesus and Stephen as they were dying and as they were being killed, ask God to forgive those who were inflicting the harm upon them. So they refused to hate. They instead showed abundant love. And there's a modern day example that I have seen. I've noticed this and watched. I have a certain um, contemporary Christian musician that I have really followed for uh, since 2012, really, and um, love his music. And I have seen multiple examples of people publicly making fun of him. So he sort of is a odd duck, if you want to say it that way. And, you know, he doesn't look um, the way a lot of people would necessarily think a, a musician should look. Whatever that means, as if there's a, you know, certain type that they should be. But anyway, multiple people have made fun of this person publicly And I have always been astonished because I can't tell you the number of times that I will hear something. And, you know, in in the Christian world, it's not like they're being totally mean. They're just kind of mocking him and, you know, making offhand remarks or or whatever. And um, more than once, several times, I have heard something about this man from other musicians. And the next thing I know, they're on tour with him. And I think, what a great way to show people what you really like. So when they make fun of you, go work with them and hang out with them. And it's much harder (laughs) to ridicule uh, the person that you have been ridiculing when you realize that they're a pretty decent person. So I think the best thing we can do is, even if we don't love the person who... um, has really offended us or persecuted us. And I'm not saying we don't love them because, you know, we don't want to love them. I'm saying sometimes you're not um, in a position to do that in terms of you've separated yourself from that person for whatever reason and to get away from the persecution and whatever. So you may not be able to love them ridiculously. I mean, even for Joseph, it was 13 years later. So maybe later on you can show them love. But you can certainly keep loving and you can certainly stay kind. And I think that comes down to praying for a tender heart and praying that God doesn't let you become hard through the hurt. And and it's such an easy thing to become hard and to think, well, I'm not going to love anymore. I'm not going to open up my heart to people because you just get hurt. But um, we pray that God keeps our tender heart and gives us opportunities to love and be kind. And then we keep doing that. All right, let's do our three quotes. So the, the first quote is one that I used in the, the episode, Let God Handle It. But it's such a good quote, and it's about revenge, so I'm going to use it again. Um, Marcus 
Aurelius, um, which was the last emperor of Rome during the Pax Romana period, said this, the best revenge is not to be like your enemy. So don't stoop to their level. They hate, you love. They ignore, you embrace. I mean, go above and beyond, just like that number three, love more than it's reasonable to love. Don't become like them. And that's revenge, is to show them, you can't change me through your hatred. I'm going to be even more Christ-like. Um, another quote is from Pinterest. It says, sometimes the best revenge is to smile and move on. And again, that goes back to don't be paralyzed and keep going, keep working hard, but also the way in which we do it. We're smiling and moving on. We're not huffing and puffing. We're not dragging our feet. We're not um, going begrudgingly. We're getting to work because I have too much work to do to be paralyzed by hurt. So I'm going to keep going <laughs> and I'm going to smile while I'm doing it because I'm going to do it in the joy of the Lord. And um, what revenge upon those people who have tried to paralyze you, hurt you, stop you. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to worship and praise and rejoice in God while I do it. And then the third quote is from Francis Bacon. And he says, the man that studies revenge keeps his own wounds green. Um, There's no sense in hurting longer than you need to hurt. The hurt's already been done. Don't, don't worry about that. Don't keep uh, reminiscing, dwelling, ruminating. Just get to work. Use your energy to love and to get busy and to keep God's commands no matter what happens. Because you know that God is watching and you know that God is faithful and he will watch out for you. And I think it's pretty interesting the way that every time I have been in a season of extreme hurt and persecution, and I have managed with the Lord to get through that, on the other side of that is always abundant blessing. Always. It's as if it was a massive trial, and God watches, and he waits, and he sees you endure, and then he says, perfect, now you're ready. Here's a blessing. So I hope that helps you. And if you are um, just in a season of hurt or just coming out of a deep season of hurt, know that my heart is with you. Uh, I remember well. I am about seven months on the other side of a really difficult season in my life. And hardly a day goes by that I don't thank the Lord that I'm on the other side of it. So if you're in it right now, I'm right there with you. And I just encourage you to stand strong, to keep going, to pray, to love, and to find the encouragement in God's word um, to, to keep doing what you're doing. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Thank you, as always, for your, your support and your encouragement. If you've liked this message at all, please remember to share it with your friends. And remember us that time of grace. Please remember to be faithful in your prayers for this ministry as we work to spread the gospel in America and all around the world, really. And if you have it in your heart and are so inclined, we would be very thankful for your financial contributions.